Hey guys, this is KD from I Wish I Was Still Sleeping on WXAV 88.3 FM Chicago. And you're listening to my interview with Aaron, the co-founder of Fat Records, for the Fat Records 25 Years Tour. So uh, first off, I want to say happy 25th anniversary to Fat Records. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. you guys have been at it for 25 years. I just want to know how you're feeling about that and what's it like to just be a part of all this and like be proud of what you guys started and everything. This 25 years is crazy because I can't, I mean, when we started this label, I didn't really think that it would last a year, let alone 25. We really started it as, you know, a fun project, more of a hobby. It was never really meant to make any money and then um, was surprising when it continued and 25 years later, it's awesome. This year in particular is just, this tour is so fun for us because we've got so many of our core bands. We've got <clears throat> Lagwagon and Strung Out on the tour as well as some some newer bands like Bad Hop, Bad Hop and Toy Guitar and just, you know, really celebrating the 25-year history that we've had and to have this nice mix of some some newer bands that we've just recently signed, as well as some of our core bands. It just feels awesome. Yeah, I was pretty stoked to see this tour. We're in Chicago, so uh, we're going to be going Monday to it, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, do you guys go to any of the shows, or do you kind of just hold down the fort back at the label? Oh, no, we go. I flew out to Toronto because I wanted to be at the very first show, and then I actually thought about going on the whole tour, but Mike and I have a daughter together, and so since oh. he's obviously in no effects and he's <laughs> on the entire tour. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't... I didn't want to leave our, our little girl for that long. Oh, so, yeah, Darla. Yeah. So yeah. I went to Toronto, and it was it was just, it was a really great um, epic opening because it, it was, the bands were all totally on fire, and it was a great turnout, and the crowd response was awesome, and it was a beautiful day in this lovely venue in Toronto, like overlooking the bay, and it was, um, I don't know, it, it actually kind of made me cry. It was really <laughs> special. Yeah, I just talked to Joey, actually, right before I called you, so... Um, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was cool I'm, to talk I'm flying to. out to Boston tonight, and then I'll be riding on the Lagwagon bus for, like, the next three or four days. Oh, nice, nice. Are you going to be at the Chicago show, or no? Coming home right before Chicago. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I was hoping I to know. meet you. Well, I can't be gone that long, <laughs> Oh, you know? yeah, I gotta, yeah. I got to... Well, it is silly, actually, because I flew all the way out to Toronto, which from San Francisco is, you know, totally the opposite coast. <laughs> and then flew all the way home, and now I'm turning around and flying all the way back to Boston. Oh, you know, um, you got responsibility, you know. The daughter's definitely exactly. important. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, then we also have some staff members that are on the whole tour, so we're a little <laughs> short-staffed at the office as well, so I don't want to be gone that long. Oh, yeah. So another question. The music industry, when you guys first started, was obviously totally different. And with stuff like Spotify and all the new distribution models, how has FatRec evolved and kind of changed with the times? Well, obviously, you know, when the digital era hit and the music industry sort of turned, that was an adjustment period for us because we had a, a good sort of decade, I would say, like mid to late 90s and mm -hmm. then early 2000s where everything was selling so well and this particular genre of music was really hot. And it was the glory days where everything was a little bit easier. And then the digital era hit and definitely we felt it. We had to downsize a little bit um, and make some adjustments in, in, in how we market our bands. But I mean, it's sort of just like everything. Everything's sort of an evolution, you know? Yeah. There's ebbs and flows and it's been 25 years. So obviously there's gonna be ups and there's gonna be downs. But for, the, for our bands for the most part, I think the main difference is that our bands have to tour a lot more now. Yeah. Um, to make to make the same amount of money that they used to be able to make out of royalties. And as much as that's 
fun for the rest of us because I love seeing our bands live. It's kind of, you know, it's a lot more work for them. Yeah. Because it's hard to be out on the road. And, and, and especially having been around 25 years, these ba- I grew up with these bands, and they grew up with me. And we all grew up together is what I'm trying to say. And so, you know, we're older now. We have families. So it's harder for them to be on the road six, seven, eight months out of the year and be away from their families, which is definitely the downside of touring, even though it is fun. And so we just, for our end, from the label perspective, we just do our best to try to stay current and come up with new ways of using social media and also come up with sort of like just making the actual physical product a little bit more interesting so people are excited about it and giving some added bonuses when you actually buy the physical, you know, like limited edition colored vinyl and just making like the actual artwork and the inside of it's just really interesting so people still want to buy it and and actually you know just sort of delve into it and that experience that i felt like that i had when i was 15 year old punk rocker i couldn't wait to get my hands on a new piece of vinyl and just absorb and just really you know really try to connect with the, the, the band and i think you really lose that in the digital era so we just try to come up with ways of making the physical more exciting so people will definitely want to have it yeah i've been listening to the fat rock growing up those you guys are probably like the main the bands on your label my main go-to is pretty much my whole uh, life i'd say so i mean I'm, I'm 24 so i'm pretty much been around as long <laughs> as the label's been around but i mean for the most part i started oh listening goodness, to that's punk crazy when i was you like you weren't even born yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I started... weren't even born when we started this label. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, so I got into punk, I would say, relatively early, probably around, like, 12 years old. So I know um, Anti-Flag used to be on the label, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. I love them. Yeah, they were one of the first bands I ever started listening to, so... That's, I'm it, still really close with them. Justin and I are very close. Oh, nice, um, yeah. Um, so well, you know what? That, the fact that you're 24, see, you're you're why this label works. Like this is this is great for us. The fact that we have all of these bands that are still relevant today, and bands like Lagwagon and Strung Out and Good mm-hmm. Riddance and Swinging Others that have been with us since the very beginning, and they're still putting out great records. So we have this whole new generation of fans, like younger fans like yourself, mm-hmm. that weren't even around when they first when Lagwagon first started putting out records, but now you're a fan so that's awesome yeah definitely they're definitely one of my favorite bands so when you guys are signing bands like uh, how do you find them what do you guys look for when you're signing a band for the most part if you if you look at the catalog of everything on fat you're pretty much looking at my personal musical taste and mike's personal musical taste. okay i mean we really just started out putting we started putting out bands that made music that we wanted to listen to and that's sort of how it evolved i mean and and when we initially when we were first getting signings it was mostly because of no effects being an up-and-coming band and their success yeah mike being on tour a lot and so he had the opportunity to travel and meet a lot of different bands that he was playing with they were either opening for him or he was opening for them or whatever but was able to meet a, a lot of different bands all around the world and then i feel like in the beginning that really helped us because people had respect for no effects and so they kind of felt like well if mike's attached to this then Let's give this label a try. But, you know, 25 years later, I'm not saying that still doesn't help. It does. But now it's for the most part, we don't, we never really had like an A&R group. We never even had an A&R person. We never okay. had like a yeah. division of the company that was dedicated. It just, it, we have managed to, through friends and word of mouth and just our own personal traveling experiences, yeah. just be out there and finding new bands that are exciting. Yeah, you guys are pretty much what I would want to be if I started a record label, so. <laughs> so, 
What do you think is the biggest misconception, I would say, of owning a label that people think? Well, I think that one of the things that we do differently is that we really treat this business like a family. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it is a business, but the, all of these people, I, again, it's 25 years. So I grew up with all these people. Yeah. and. These people are some of my closest friends, and Joey Cape's daughter, Violet, and Darla are best friends, and they play together all the time, and That's Fiona awesome. Sly plays with, I mean, they're all the kids, like, we're really a network of, of family, and so yeah. I think for the, I think the reason we work and maybe other labels are maybe, you know, at times not as successful is because this, this isn't really a business to us. I mean, it really started out as a love affair of of Mike and I just being two punk kids and really loving punk rock music and just wanting to be immersed in it and and seeing an opportunity and thought, well, maybe we can do this. And then it worked well. Yeah. Um, but I think that because we treat our bands like family and involve them in every part of the process, we never tell our bands what to do. Yeah, we make suggestions mm -hmm. and say this is how we think maybe you know this record this is how we think this record should unfold but yeah. if that you know if they're not open to it it's essentially it's their it's their art and it's their choice and I think that that is probably a mistake that other labels maybe would make trying to actually direct their bands or trying to actually you know tell them because the thing is you can't tell your, you want you, we're successful because our bands are successful it yeah. would be nothing without all these great <laughs> if we didn't have this great talent we'd be, we'd be nowhere yeah I definitely see the family aspect with you guys because when that Tony Sly tribute CD came out I thought I was obsessed with it and I thought that it was yeah, absolutely right? amazing I'm the most proud of that record that was just I mean the fact that whole the whole punk rock community came together to put that together and and the number of artists that we had that they all donated their time all of that money all the profit still going to Bridget and her two daughters Fiona and Kira oh wow and it was just it was something that we felt we needed to give back because Tony gave so much to us and it felt really it was very cathartic and it felt like a very it felt very healing to be able to put that tribute together and I really think that um, it's something that Tony would be proud of like I think mm -hmm. he'd really like it um, and Bridget and I are very close friends and the you know, when I wrote that first check and I sent her that first royalty check, she called me bawling. <laughs> you can barely even get the words out because she was so happy. And she just said, this money's going to put my girls through college. You have no idea what this means to me. And that felt great. What's your opinion on college radio? Do you think it's important for the music industry? And have you personally had any experience with any college radio? I haven't really personally had any experience um, with it. I mean, I never DJed or anything, but I definitely think it's an important market to hit that uh, generation of kids because they feel very connected to their own community. And I think that if we can find a way to get the music out there, I mean, I don't, for the most part, our listeners, I don't think people listen to contemporary major music stations anymore. Like at least for the most part, from, I don't think our fans really do. I think when they're looking to hear new music, college radio station at that age that's probably where that's their go-to absolutely um and especially you know they feel very proud of their particular college and their particular um community and so it's a way of networking as well and just getting new bands out there to get exposure that maybe you know you wouldn't you wouldn't hear otherwise yeah um, we, we have this whole college radio day thing. It happens like the first or second week of October where they all come together and, you know, just like appreciate the music and get all the interviews right? you've had and stuff like that. So it should be pretty exciting. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I hope you have an awesome day and a good rest of your Thanks, week. Thanks, you too.